Hello and welcome to Toho Yaro, a Japanese film club podcast. I'm Joey Weiser, the host this month, and as always, I'm joined by my other Toho guys, uh, Alex. Uh, hey, Alex. Hey, Joey. I just got back from Planet X, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty big trip. Uh, how about you, Scott? I'm pretty good. Hi, Joey. Hey, but uh, what's this? Uh, there's someone else joining us this month. It's Grant. Hey, Grant. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Um, this is pretty exciting. Grant's our first ever guest. Uh, we've kind of wondered oh from gosh. time to time. Getting a little, getting a case of the vapors over here. Got a little I know, I, didn't I know. That was a first. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This this is why we've made you the little paper crown and everything. So I oh. hope you. <laughs> Always a bridesmaid, but now I'm finally a bride. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Congrats. Uh, yeah. So we, you know, we've been doing this show for a couple years now, actually, and we've mm-hmm. we've kind of wondered from time to time what it would be like to have guests. So we're we're trying it out. So this is our our experiment. Um, Grant, tell us a little bit about thing. yourself. You guys are never going to want to have another guest on again. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, it's great to be on. Um, I, uh, I am, I guess my main fandom work, I don't know if so many random things that are basically part-time jobs that I don't get paid for. Um, my main fandom thing is the Blade Licking Thieves podcast, uh, where we started, uh, I mean, mere, we launched mere days before you guys did. So it's, it's funny when we sort of discovered each other on Twitter mm-hmm. thinking like another Eastern media podcast, we, we cover more than just Japanese media, but, uh, it's three guys sitting on the couch talking about movies and stuff, uh, in a similar vein. So, uh, we're echo fighters of one another, one might say. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, we mainly review, uh, you know, Godzilla films and you know kaiju films, anime films, uh, wuxia films, all that sort of stuff. I also do uh, the Super Senpai podcast with my buddy Pat. Uh, where we talk about Tokusatsu. Uh, we're watching Lupin Ranger versus Pat Ranger right now, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I also write for Yadatachi and a couple other sites uh, here and there. So you know, you can. And I'm also on Twitter, ruining everyone's timelines with just the worst puns which is my other main uh, <laughs> fandom venture. But uh, yeah, so I'm around. I do stuff. Yeah, totally. I think I, uh, we're all uh, big fans of Blade Looking Thieves. So oh, I think we, awesome. we agreed that you'd make a, a quite a good uh, guinea pig for our little podcast <laughs> guest experiment. <laughs> well, great. Glad to be on. I, I you know, I love, love Toe Yard too. Of course, I'm behind on you guys. Like I'm behind on literally everything else sure. that isn't me editing week to week but uh i'm a big fan of your show too so i'm glad to be here uh yeah. i like the i like the, i like comparing the shows like if it makes mm. sense like the texture like i like comparing like, oh, how do they approach it how do we do it because ours is a little more uh, goofy if you will yeah totally no <laughs> uh yeah no i think uh that they're they're really good kind of compliments to each other mm-hmm. um yeah, and I know Grant to be a big fan of Tokusatsu and mm. Godzilla in particular, so I, I thought this month's film would be a great fit. Uh, we're going to be covering Godzilla versus Monster Zero, yes. also known as Invasion of the Astro Monster. Which that that second title is a little bit closer to the original Japanese title, which just kind of means like the giant monster war. Um, this film's from 1965. It's the sixth Godzilla film, so uh, pretty early in its in its run, but starting to kind of develop into what we kind of know as the sort of Showa era old old school Godzilla. Mm. Um, and uh, so what? Um, 
What, what's your experience with this film, Grant? Have you seen it before? Uh, yes, this is one of uh, many such films that I saw as a youth, uh, jumping around on my grandparents' couch over the summer, watching it on, uh, used to come on TNT in the area that we were on, they used to, or the various Turner networks used to play a bunch of Godzilla movies and stuff like that, so uh, I knew it, but I haven't seen it in a long time, uh, even in the past few years as I've gotten back into fandom, I haven't really uh, watched this one in a long time, so it was fun to revisit it. Um, I had some memories of it. But I, you know, if you'd asked me, my, you know, I rewatched it just for the pod, and I was like, I, I just did, couldn't really place my feelings <laughs> on it. I remember it's one of the ones that I saw, and of course, when I was six, I loved it, but I, you know, I couldn't, couldn't place too many memories about it. But it was really fun to revisit, and I actually liked it quite a bit. Um, you know, nice. In, in, in both a yes, awesome rubber monster suit fight way, but also just some some general things that I enjoyed, like as a net kind of it, from a filmic quality and from a kind of a cinematic standpoint, I enjoyed yeah. it as well. Excellent. I, yeah, I, I think I have a similar story where I had seen this movie a lot as a kid. I've mentioned before on the show that I was a huge Godzilla fan and mm. a, as a child and, and rented and re-rented videos from our local store, uh, you know, over and over and over. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think I may have also mentioned this, but uh, leading up to the 2014 American Godzilla uh, film, I decided to watch every single Godzilla film in chronological order to just right. sort of like knock out any question of which films I had and hadn't seen, you know, um, which, it you know, really helped me understand uh, the series and kind of how it evolved and cemented some of my opinions about the film, uh, and most of which, uh, you know, similarly, I hadn't seen for years and years. Um, and after I completed that, uh, you know, uh, rewatching uh, series, I, I, I reflected on it and I had sort of singled this one out as my favorite. You know, it's kind of hard to say for certain 1,000%, you know, what is best or what is my favorite. But I can definitely say, you know, we're going to get into critiques later. But I, I, I stand by that uh, to, to some extent. Um, Scott, you had mentioned last episode when we were talking about this a little bit that you've seen this film, right? Yeah, this is actually my favorite Godzilla film. Uh, my exposure to Godzilla is probably largely the same as Grant's of watching them on, like, Saturday or Sunday afternoon on TNT mm-hmm. uh, when there wasn't any sports or anything on. And uh, it, I don't know, this one has always stood out in my mind in a, in a way that a lot of the other Godzilla movies just kind of washed over me. This one and like Godzilla versus Megalon are probably the ones that mm. stand out the most. And I just love this one mostly because of the, the small human story, but we can get into that. Uh, yeah, later. totally. Mm. Yeah, and then Alex, this is what's very exciting for me. Uh, <laughs> Alex has kind of the, the the least amount of experience with us. We, we've talked about this on past episodes, but besides, like, possibly catching Mystery Science Theater, like, uh, most of your experience watching Godzilla is through our podcast, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, so uh, <laughs> um, the only other Godzilla movies I've seen besides this one uh, prior to this were the original Godzilla and Shin Godzilla. Uh, which are incredibly different. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and and I guess the new uh, American one, the one that had Brian Cranston in it, uh, mm, which I yeah. which I really really liked. Um, but as far as uh, you know, uh, super Toku rubber suits, um, this is my first. And yeah, uh, you had mentioned last episode this is your first like Godzilla versus, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, this film is directed by Ishiro Honda, um, who, you know, the director of the original Godzilla 
as well as uh, several of the Showa era Godzilla films. We talk about him a bit, uh, a bit on our uh, first episode where we covered Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't retread that ground too much other than just saying, you know, Honda's great. Um, I'm always happy to see his name attached uh, to a film, especially a Godzilla film. Um, as far as notable actors, uh, Akira Takarada plays the astronaut uh, Kazuo Fuji, who is a Godzilla regular. Uh, he was Ogata in the uh, original Godzilla, the heroic sailor dude, you know, mm-hmm. if you oh, wow. remember. Um, and uh, then, of course, we've got to mention uh, Nick Adams, who plays Glenn, the other astronaut. <laughs> um, as Godzilla was becoming more and more of a global franchise, uh, Toho started to bring in American actors and production companies and stuff, uh, sort of to uh, partially to sidestep the weirdness that happened with the original Godzilla, uh, having to you know recut it in order to include a white guy so that uh, the Western audiences would find it more palatable or whatever. Um, Adams was in uh, American movies like Rebel Without a Cause and several TV roles. Uh, prior to this film, he had worked with uh, Ishiro Honda uh, in Frankenstein Conquers the World, mm. um, also known as Frankenstein vs. Baragon, uh, which is quite a film. <laughs> we'll probably cover that eventually. <laughs> I was going to say, I actually know uh, uh, Adams a little bit because of the TV show that was his big like star turn. Uh, was uh, syndicated and it was just, he is called the Rebel and he was a uh, Confederate Civil War veteran wandering Texas town to town solving people's problems. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I saw that listed and I didn't recognize it personally, but um, yeah, that's that's good. I'm glad that you've, you're familiar with him. Um, yeah, so Kumi Mizuno plays Namikawa, uh, Glenn's uh, girlfriend from Planet X. <laughs> uh, she was in several tokusatsu classics uh, from around this time, like Frankenstein Conquers the World, uh, Where the Gargantuas, uh, Attack of the Mushroom People, uh, Matango is, is the Japanese title for that, and Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Um, and Akira Kubo plays Tetsuo, the, the goofy adventure guy. Um, again, he's in a lot of Godzilla films, such as God, uh, Son of Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters. Uh, he was also in the 1995 Gamera Guardian of the Universe, which I know Grant is a fan of. Mm, huge, huge fan, yes. Blade yeah, they have a, a Blade Licking Thieves has an episode on that, and I'm a big fan of that as well. Um, he's also in Throne of Blood, which uh, showcases one of my favorite things about these show, uh, Showa-era Godzillas, that they're full of tons of folks who've worked with uh, Akira Kurosawa. So you get this sort of mm-hmm. really cool, like, uh, sort of mixing and matching of what we think of as highbrow and lowbrow. Um, <laughs> and speaking of which, uh, Yoshio Tsuchiya plays the controller of Planet X, who uh, I was watching this via, like, an, uh, an old classic media DVD uh, that they call him the commandant. But um, I, I like <laughs> controller a little bit better, um, personally. Um, but anyway, this guy is in a ton of stuff. He has a huge filmography. He's in a lot of Kurosawa movies, uh, Seven Samurai, High and Low, Red Beard. Um, he's in The Hidden Fortress, which we covered. But uh, Wikipedia credited him as a Samurai on Horse on that one. So I don't remember his role <laughs> in particular. <laughs> Um, he's in a bunch of Toho sci-fi movies too, like Matango and, and Godzilla and se- several Godzilla films. So yeah, th- that's, it's pretty cool. And finally, of course, I want to mention, uh, that these, this film, uh, includes three, uh, talented suit actors, but most notably, uh, Haruo, uh, Haruo Nakajima, uh, who, uh, portrays Godzilla. 
which is the role that he originated uh, and and performed for years and mm-hmm. years. Um, and then uh, as far as other notable staff, uh, this this uh, the music in this one is again by uh, Akira Ifukube. Shock. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, he doesn't do all of the Showa era uh, Godzillas, but uh, he uh, he does a lot uh, many of them, and his scores are excellent. And yeah. he and Honda together are kind of a dream team as far as Godzilla is concerned, uh, in my opinion. I mm. wanted to uh, bring up that um, the opening credits uh, music for this is also featured in Shin Godzilla. And uh, I think I did mention that when we did our Shin Godzilla episode, uh, because the soundtrack of that uh, film is largely comprised of uh, Evangelion music and music from uh, past Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a great kind of like mishmash of uh, to bringing two great worlds together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna get into the movie itself, and feel free to interject, uh, interrupt me as uh, as we go on with any thoughts. Uh, the movie begins with two astronauts flying a rocket through space. Uh, this is Glenn and Fuji, who are investigating a mysterious new planet that uh, the Earth has found called Planet X. Oh, uh, hey, uh, pla- Joey, what year is it? What year is it? Oh, I don't know. I don't have this in my notes. What year uh, okay. is it? <laughs> 1960X. <laughs> 1960X. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, Eric. Very... <laughs> It's like Capcom made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, considering was this was made in 1965, that's not shooting too far off into the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the distant 1960s. like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're like, uh, two years from now, <laughs> who knows what could happen? That's right. The way this movie is, this could happen anytime this decade. Sure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, what I love about uh, uh, Planet X is later they explain, you know, that there's this sort of strange radio waves emitting from it, so there could be life on it, and it's very mysterious. But I love that the explanation of why it's been hidden, it's just sort of like, uh, it's been hidden behind Jupiter. You know, Jupiter's real big, and it's covered in shadow. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, uh, so they, they go to explore it and, and uh, it, early on we get a good feel for these guys kind of playful relationship with each other uh, and and get a little bit of an aside where Fuji doesn't approve of his sister Haruno's finance, uh, fiance, finance, great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so and then uh, from there uh, we have a brief scene where we meet uh, this boyfriend in question, Tetsuo. Um, he's an inventor who has created this weird machine that he calls the Lady Guard uh, that, as far as I can tell, is like a a disc that makes a horrible sound. Um, <laughs> and I don't exactly know. It, it, this is maybe intended to be a thing to scare off men who accost ladies or something. It's yeah, not... I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it's supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it kind of looks like a makeup compact or something. Yeah, I don't know... Um... I can't speak. I don't accost women, uh, but it certainly would drive me away. So mm. it has at least that. It, it's at least grant proof, I suppose. You could put that on the label. Now, which planet are you from? Uh, uh, that, that'll never tell. The gentleman never tells what planet he's from. <laughs> so Tetsuo gets contacted by this like educational toy company uh, who's interested in manufacturing the Lady Guard. So he and Haruno uh, go to dinner, and they meet a rep from the company, who's this like beautiful woman named Namikawa, and they go over the paperwork, and Namikawa strangely comments that her company is interested in the Planet X mission. 
Um, so back on Planet X, we uh, Glenn and Fuji land, uh, and we get some cool uh, miniature work as we see the rocket landing and dropping off the guys. Um, yeah, this is where I put in my notes, just like the the bizarre attention to detail to a lot of these miniatures, like when the, the thing goes down to check the radiation, and it's this very long, elaborate shot of this boom arm going down and rotating. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that there were miniature, like, humans like a lot of times you see like kind of like bodiless like tanks and planes flying around but not a lot of like actual little people that they put on mm-hmm. these conveyor belts and whatnot um so uh but it, through this investigation glenn and the rocket disappear and fuji uh finds footprints uh a glowing elevator uh uh, like rises from the ground <laughs> and opens <laughs> and this voice uh, tells Fuji to, uh, to get inside where he is instructed to follow the light. Um, he goes through some corridors and ends up uh, in a room with Glenn. I, this sequence is pretty cool too. I think it's, it's very simple, but they do this sort of visual striking thing where they kind of like light up certain parts where he's supposed to go and then, and then darken the parts where he's already been. And it, uh, it looks pretty cool. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from a sci-fi like movie perspective, it's uh, it's A plus stuff. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I especially love how the hallway looks because I'm pretty sure that's just a painted background. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those hallways were really striking visually, like the them being in these like completely like dark spaces with this lit hallway. It definitely gave me vibes of say like the 2000s X Men movies, like mm. beneath the Xavier's School for the Gifted. Right, there's those, <laughs> those long X hallways, but it's completely black. So it, it that that um very 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 alien and unnerving which is good because you want to be in the space that you know you just watch them you watch these little toy figures go down on the rocket ship you know but it helps re-immerse you right in their sort of unease i like that a lot yeah totally it's nice when some of these effects are like the same size as an actor you know <laughs> right <laughs> um, yeah so anyway uh at this point we uh enter devo <laughs> these uh strange dudes in sci-fi space dude outfits come in <laughs> And boy, they look so great. They're they're, they're they've all got sunglasses and these antennas coming out of the top of their head. Yeah. And I love this look. Yeah, uh, incredible. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, they're both um they're both like very classic retro sci-fi and that like we'll just put like, you know, these very like simplistic colors and they have just like the 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 strange shades and the little little deedly boppers like they look retro sci-fi and yet at the same time like this look is so good. Like you could totally see like Daft Punk wearing this or something mm. like that. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very retro futuristic and it, it ages perfectly. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I, 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 I put down in my notes that they look like uh, super Sentai fodder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. The, the putties or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So the controller of planet X uh, introduces himself at this point and, uh, introductions are interrupted, however, when something that they call Monster Zero attacks. Uh, they show some footage of it, and it's King Ghidra. Um, King Ghidra was introduced in the last film, uh, uh, Ghidra, the Three-Headed Monster. And uh, I assume that most of the people listening to this podcast know who King Ghidra is, but he's <laughs> basically a three-headed, two-tailed, no-armed winged dragon who flies around shooting lightning out of his mouths. Um, and is generally cool looking. Um, the so this, sequence, this movie oh. is notable for having both my favorite Godzilla monster design and my least favorite because I love uh, King uh, Ghidorah and I hate Rodan. Mm. Yeah, Rodan's a little bland. Uh, you know, I, I would concede that uh, for sure. 
I will not uh, suffer this Rodan <laughs> scandal, <this> slander. <laughs> I, I will say I love how King Ghidra appears here. He doesn't like loom ominously in the distance or rise from the ground. He just flies in from off shot, just shooting lasers everywhere. He yeah. just starts blowing up Planet X, and you're like, oh my god, Ghidra, stop. Like, yeah, no, King Ghidra is always guns ablazing. Like, he's ready to destroy he's shit. Always yeah. on. In addition, yeah, in addition to his design, I love that he just shows up and is a total asshole everywhere he goes. There is no, yeah. like, I am an elemental menace. It is, no, I am just here to fuck shit up because I hate you. Yeah. No yeah, one even is... says, like, if only we had to- taken better care of Planet X, maybe this would not have happened no just Ghidra is just assumed to be a jerk all the time and it's perfect for him he's got to be a heel he's he never has a face turn he's just always Ghidra yeah totally Alex what did you think about seeing uh the first kaiju appearance in this film okay so I thought to myself that is a good looking suit like yeah. it, it that looks excellent like I, I was I was thoroughly impressed especially how it moves um mm. yeah I uh I mean, I've I've seen. I'm pretty familiar with with Ghidra because my friend was super into Godzilla when I was a kid, mm. and he had all the toys. Um, I I think Tomy makes them, uh, but I don't remember what uh, company brought them over from Japan. But yeah. I think he he had that entire uh, was it Destroy All Monsters or King of the Monsters Godzilla King of the Monsters that toys toy line. I don't know. Either way, he had he had them all, and and Ghidorah and Mecha Ghidorah were were among the oh, ones cool. that I admired the most because they I don't know there was there's a lot to them. Um, yeah, that would be like probably from the nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, once you get into Mecha Ghidorah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. This sequence has yeah. a lot of really cool like. Just the effects of him like blowing up stuff on the planet's cool, but also like the, the control room with all the lights blinking and things spinning and you know stuff is is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff I totally eat up. Yeah, for for a planet that is essentially completely barren and we only see like two locations of Planet X, kind of has a distinctive look and feel, and that's that's saying something mm-hmm. for as little as they've got to work with. Yeah, totally. So uh, the controller explains that on Planet X, they give numbers instead of names. So King Ghidra is Monster Zero. And the people of Planet X can't stop Ghidra. Uh, so they've just kind of been waiting at it out, hoping he'd leave, I guess. I, <laughs> and, That's how I handle my, my Ghidra problems, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and after some theatrics where Glenn and Fuji are sealed off in this little morning, like mini force field thing, the the... Planet Xers or I, the the Wikipedia was calling them Exilians or Zillions, so I guess I'll use that. Um, uh, return and they kind of lay everything out. Uh, they want to borrow Godzilla and Rodan, which they call Monster One and Zero, to or One and Two, excuse me, to defeat Monster Zero. Um, and I guess uh, I should also we can talk a little bit about Rodan now. Uh, he's a pterodactyl-like monster who first appeared in his own film. And then returned again in that previous film, uh, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Before this, um, so he, so he's an ally to Godzilla. Yeah. So we can. Yeah. It Godzilla kind of up to this point has mostly been a villain character, and it was mm-hmm. only until this past film, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, that a bigger, badder threat appeared, and he and uh, Rodan team up uh <laughs> for lack of a better word <laughs> and 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 take out uh Ghidorah who I guess flies up to planet X at that point uh <laughs> but Joey um, do you know at what point uh Godzilla kicks Rodan to the side and is now best friends with Mothra 
because and all the later friends like they're the the real ally duo. Yeah, I mean, like Godzilla's best friend is Angerus, uh, but yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Mothra is often kind of acts on her own the way I see it. Uh, she kind of comes in and is like, "All right, everyone, uh, things are uh, out of control." And and in Ghidra, the three headed monster, it's I think. Uh, Mothra's in that one too. I think it's like Godzilla, uh, Mothra, and Rodan all fighting against uh, Ghidorah. But um, oh, uh, can I ask you a question about Rodan really quick? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know why they changed the pronunciation uh, from Radon? Yes, to Rodan. <laughs> uh, because I think in English it would probably just be pronounced Radon, which is the like. Oh. The pun that you one would get uh that's the you know the radioactive mm-hmm. uh material or whatever and maybe they just thought that was a little too obvious or you know mm. uh, the certainly way certainly wouldn't want to lose the subtlety of yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i do think that actually the american dubs a lot of times uh would sort of shy away from too much uh radiation talk kind of and right. so maybe they were just kind of like, well, let's just call him Rodan, and that makes him sound like a cool monster or whatever. And, um, but yeah, I think that's interesting. And uh, but Rodon uh, or Radon, <laughs> uh, so yeah, now I'm yeah. Rudy. Just call yeah, him Rudy. Rudy. Radon <laughs> actually kind of works a little bit better because it's the you know Don it sounds kind of like the uh, you know the last few words of a like you know Iguanodon or whatever like a, a dinosaur. It's a Pteranodon. Yeah, what's actually based on? Yeah. Well, I was gonna say like a right, like a bull, like like udon or or gudon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's one bull that you don't want to bite into, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, so in exchange for this deal where they want to kind of like swap monsters, uh, they would give Earth a cure to cancer. Uh, pretty good deal. Um, <laughs> uh, but they're being polite at this point and asking for permission before entering Earth's uh, atmosphere. Uh, so Glenn and Fuji return to Earth. Uh, they don't really uh, trust these uh, zillions, but uh, they uh, relay the information. Uh, Earth's powers kind of cautiously debate the exchange. Uh, meanwhile, Tetsuo goes uh, to this toy company to ask about the progress with the Lady Guard, uh, but there's no news uh, on its development. And here we see, I guess, the CEO, the the boss of the company, um, who's a mysterious dude in sunglasses, and he sets fire to the Lady Guard's blueprints. Hmm. Um, Har- uh, Haruno and Tetsuo uh, meet up with Glenn and Fuji. Uh, Fuji grills Tetsuo, still not really sure about this guy for his sister, and Glenn's sort of a fourth wheel in this <laughs> in this exchange, so he gets up and leaves and wishes uh, Tetsuo good luck and uh, leaves on a, on a hot date with uh, Namikawa. And uh, Fuji uh, leaves suddenly, uh, still disapproving of Haruno and Tetsuo's relationship, unfortunately. Um, but before Earth can agree to Planet X's terms, the uh, zillion UFOs appear uh, in the locations where they had said that Godzilla and Rodan would be located. Um, the UFOs are, are very simple but cool. They, they glow. Uh, they're these like white UFOs that glow, and they have this neat sound effect. Um, and a UFO lands and some zillions come out. They thank Earth and declare this day Friendship Day. 
despite the <laughs> fact that they came here without Earth's permission. <laughs> um, so the UFO grab uh, grabs Godzilla out of the lake and Rodan out of the mountain with these tractor beams, and they're enclosed in these little transparent like <laughs> pokeballs. Uh, and it's very cute to me. They they look like they got them out of Gachapon machines or something. Oh yeah, I I, I know that curled up Godzilla looks ridiculous. <laughs> because <laughs> his feet are like i don't know they're just they're still godzilla feet and he still looks like he's sort of i don't know everybody's it's, in some really good awkward poses throughout this it's, video yeah <laughs> it's pretty wonderful rodan when he's all curled up kind of just like looks like a potato or something it's like a, a kind of weird brown shape um but i really really love this like image of the ufos carrying them off in the bubbles like i think it right. looks really really cool um and silly you know it's the it's the this is the mix that i love uh about this movie but um so glenn and fuji are planning a trip back to planet x but namikawa urges glenn to stay um she drives off followed by tetsuo and glenn and fuji do in fact go up with the zillions on their ufo they fly off to planet planet x with the uh kaiju in tow you know, oh, well, <laughs> that's two less kaiju on Earth and, and a cure for cancer on the way. So I guess things worked out OK. And nothing of value was lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is a pretty sweet deal for the Earthlings uh, so far. So uh, Namikawa arrives at this house uh, on this island uh, with the head of the company in it. And we learn that they are zillions. Gasp. Um, Tetsuo uh, attempts to sneak in, but they are immediately onto him and he's captured. I love that he like falls through a trap door. Uh, it's just too good. Um, <laughs> he's such a like uh, dork and that's such a weird like medieval <laughs> device to have a trap door in front of the door. But um, so on Planet X, we finally get some more uh, kaiju action. Godzilla and Rodan are dropped off and the UFOs return to their base. There's these like really awesome effects uh, with this like lit up tunnel that the UFOs go into in the mountain. Um, Monster Zero approaches and the other kaiju are awoken. Uh, so King Ghidra is an asshole, of course. So he immediately attacks Godzilla and Rodan and, and they uh, battle for a bet. Um, we get like Godzilla's atomic breath and some rock throwing. And then eventually Godzilla just like leaps onto Ghidra, which is awesome, <laughs> and, and drives him away. Yeah, that tackle was really good. Yeah, yeah what did that, you guys that, think that, about this initial confrontation? Probably one of my favorite double combos in the film because Rodan drops an enormous rock on Ghidra's head, and then Koji does that flying crotch tackle thing. It's just <laughs> what a move. There's no, there's no way to, to like. It's just beautiful to see in motion. You're just like, oh, you're quite nimble, aren't you? I was not expecting. I certainly wasn't expecting that. So. Something is very that. amusing Moments to me like when that. kaiju yeah. like resort to just kind of throwing rocks at each other. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> it feels very relatable. Like, mm. like, yeah, get out of my face. <laughs> that whole fight scene is pretty interesting because they're like shooting beams back and forth at each other, and Godzilla is doing it like a cover shooter, hiding behind a rock. Yeah, um, he's totally gears of war over there. Yeah. he's behind a chest high wall. Like, <laughs> But uh, that that tackle took me out of the movie in kind of a good way, just because I was like, "Oh man!" Thinking about the actual athleticism of running and tackling the the tackling tackling Ghidra in yeah. that Godzilla costume, it's like, man, that that is impressive. Mm. Yeah, you always kind of hear stories about how kind of crushing these costumes were for the actors within them. So it's 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 always awesome to see them be a little bit like nimble in them. Who knows? Maybe he had wires on them or something. But um, yeah, it was so cool. 
Uh, and here's where we get what I had previously known as Godzilla's victory dance. Uh, he hops up in the air, uh, holding one hand above his head and bending one of his knees. It's like definitely kind of weird and always has stuck out to me. But in this uh, enlightened time of 2018, I now know that this is a reference to Osamatsu-kun, the manga by uh, Fujio Akatsuka, uh, also a popular anime at the time. Um, this move is a signature pose of one of the characters, Iyami, who uh, who will pose like this whenever he's surprised and exclaim like, Shay! And uh, this became a sort of meme of sorts uh, in 60s Japan. There's photos of John Lennon doing it uh, during a visit, and <laughs> it's appeared all over pop culture. I've seen a film where Kunia here in the past. (laughs) Oh, what's that? (laughs) So we learned a lot about John Lennon here recently. Oh yeah, well yeah, this is a yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure where this fits into that timeline exactly, but (laughs) probably the same moment. That's all I can. That's all I can imagine. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen Kunia Tanaka do this in a movie, uh, Alekino Akidaisho, which is like this guitar youth film. Um, so it, it's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, this is a secret, but it's not really a secret, but I've even snuck it into Merman, um, in, in a, in a <gasps> panel, but, um, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's great. I always knew this is like a weird dance and always thought it was kind of funny and silly. And to now know that it's like a weird pop culture reference is, it's kind of even better, <laughs> even <Yeah>. sweeter. <laughs> Uh, so with the defeat of Monster Zero, the Zillion controller is pleased, uh, but Fuji and Glenn have run off to Snoop. Uh, they've totally disappeared, and they they still feel like there's something about Planet X that uh, they're not being told, and uh, perhaps related to the fact that the water is very scarce on the planet, which they've kind of picked up. Uh, they dodge some guards and end up in this underground chamber surrounded by gold, Um and that that kind of relates to a line previously where someone said like that water is more valuable than gold on this planet. Um, so just then, a woman who looks just like Namikawa appears. Uh, Glenn runs up to her, and but then suddenly a second woman who looks uh, identical to her also comes out, and some zillion men uh, then appear, and our heroes are caught. There's some debates about beauty and individuality, and uh, the Earthlings are. Forgiven ultimately and sent back to Earth with the cancer cure, um, which is like a recording with instructions, I guess, for the cancer cure, um, supposedly. And Godzilla and Rodan uh, watch as they fly away, and you can't help but feel a little sorry for them. It's it's like uh, I get that feeling so from the scene of like a dog watching you leave for work. Or yeah, something. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah, poor guys. Um, <laughs> stuck on Planet X. <laughs> n- nobody to hang out with but King Gija. <laughs> <laughs> so Tetsuo is imprisoned uh, by the Zillions on Earth, and we learn that the next stage of their plan is in motion. The astronauts arrive uh, with a recording that uh, supposedly has the cancer cure on it, but instead we get this message from Planet X. They declare that Earth is now under their control as a colony. And uh, here we get uh, some a pretty interesting sequence with real life photos of protests and military interventions mm. that are supposed to be uh, the people of Earth kind of hearing about this and stuff. And this part was actually cut from the American release, which I think is interesting. Huh. Um, yeah, but, I mean, given that it was the 60s. Yeah, it would have the... come out in like just on the tail end of the uh, civil rights movement. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I, I, yeah, I find that really interesting. Um, 
So uh, Glenn comes home and finds Namikawa in full Planet X attire. Uh, she was on Earth to be a spy for Planet X, but has genuinely fallen in love with him. Uh, she wishes for him to go to her home planet, where they will marry, uh, but this is as ordered by a computer, or uh, apparently. And uh, Glenn gives her a speech about free will, but she can't quite get on ba- board with this. Um, the Zillions arrive, uh, and they capture Glenn, and when Namikawa tries to protect him, unfortunately she is killed. Uh, this is, there's some cool effects here where they animate like a laser and then we get like a negative image of her as she disappears. Mm. So I wondered, uh, if there was a little bit of, um, subtext here, uh, when she mentions to him that, oh, you have to become a citizen so we can get married. Mm. Uh, I wondered if there was, if there was a, like some cross pollination subtext there. Yeah, that's interesting. You mean about how, like, I mean, I've heard a lot about how it's like really difficult to become a Japanese citizen if you're a foreigner. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even through marriage, it can kind of be a challenge and stuff. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, th- that's really interesting, especially with the inclusion of the like protests and stuff. You can see possibly mm-hmm. that there was a bit of counterculture still being kind of included in this. Um, that's cool. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So uh, UFOs arrive and attack Earth. Uh, They're just kind of like shooting lasers and melting stuff. Um, And they drop off Godzilla and Rodan, uh, now under Zillion control. Um, Glenn is uh, thrown into a holding cell with Tetsuo, and we get some deliberation uh, between Earth officials who wonder if they can maybe disrupt the radio waves that control the kaiju. Um, Glenn and Tetsuo find a letter that Namikawa had slipped Glenn before she died, and we discover that uh, the secret to Tetsuo's lady guard is that it uh, it emits a sound that not only annoys humans, but it really annoys zillions. Um, this is uh, why the fake toy company was ma- uh, was uh, trying to make sure that it was never manufactured. Um, so they they you know activate it, and the the guards start writhing on the floor and the the humans escape. Um, And so finally, uh, Planet X unleashes Godzilla and Rodan, and uh, we get some good old scenes of Earth destruction, you know, crowds uh, running away and military uh, futilely attacking as Rodan blows apart buildings and bridges and Godzilla stomps around. You know, this is the good stuff. Um, (laughs) That's what we're here for. Yeah, totally. (laughs) The, the great payoff. Um, so Planet X then deploys King Ghidra, and the destruction gets uh, kicked up a notch, you know. Um, and Glenn and company broadcast the Lady Guard noise uh, over the radio, and uh, they encourage the public to not turn their radios off, but turn it up. And the sound uh, disrupts the zillions, uh, sending them retreating in, in their now wobbly UFOs. And... Um, Earth's military attacks the Zillion's Earth base, and Planet X loses control of the kaiju. Uh, there's a great sequence after Earth has disrupted the control signal where all three uh, kaiju um, fall on the ground, and Godzilla once again does that pose, the Osamatsu uh, pose, where he <laughs> falls over backwards, uh, really going, Shay, at that point. Um, so it's chaos, and the Zillions and their base and UFOs <laughs> totally just explode. Uh, which is great. <laughs> you know, thank you, Lady Guard. Uh, you'll blow up UFOs. Um, and then after some frankly disturbing uh, twitching on the ground, uh, Godzilla comes to and gets up. 
Uh, I love this part. He he uh, looks over at King Ghidra, who's still on the ground twitching, and is just like, hey, jerk, and kicks a, a rock at him. Uh, Ghidra and Rodan then get up, and they all duke it out. Uh, there's a great part where Rodan is uh, holding Ghidra's tail uh, in his mouth, and Godzilla's like punching all three of his heads. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, man, it's so great. And uh, Ghidra holds uh, his own though with his with his mouth beams, and all three of them eventually tumble down the mountain into the ocean together. Um, finally, our our main characters gather and watch as King, uh, King Ghidra flies out of the water and and away into the sky. Um, and Haruno wonders if Godzilla and Rodan have died, but Tetsuo doesn't think so. Uh, Fuji has seemingly uh, come around to accepting Tetsuo a bit more, and he and Glenn then are reluctantly tasked to return to Planet X uh, for more research. They chuckle, and we're left with the shot of uh, the ocean where Godzilla and Rodan were last seen, and it's kind of bubbling and stuff, so there's kind of the hope that maybe they've still uh, survived, but... Uh, we're left uh, without seeing them or hearing the roar or anything, which I think is interesting. <laughs> um, so a few uh, kind of little fun facts before we get into the like kind of what we thought about the movies. Um, so did we all, in preparation for this podcast, watch the Japanese subtitled version? Uh, I did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I actually watched the dub. You watched the dub? That was okay. My, that so was who, my... And I, I, Scott, like I mean, no, that's solid. totally fine. I want to talk about the dub a bit. Like, Scott, you've seen the dub, I had seen. Yeah, that was the, the... This is this is probably the first time I've actually seen the, the Japanese voice track. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I'm pretty fond of the dub. Like, I, you know, for a few reasons. I mean, first of all, I want to, you know, bring up briefly that, like... One thing that's kind of cool about it is that Nick Adams is undubbed in that version, so we get to actually hear his performance. Right. Um, he's a lot kind of like squirrelier and a little less like manly sounding than the Japanese dub gives him credit for, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then of course we, we've got to mention uh, in regards to this dub, uh, MF Doom's album "Take Me to Your Leader" uh, that right. he recorded under the name King Ghidorah. Um, it's a really great album. Uh, I don't know. Have how uh, are any of you guys familiar with this album? I am. Okay. Yeah, I, I like MF Doom. A lot. Oh yeah, it's it's so good, and it takes a lot of audio clips from this album uh, or from this dub, uh, as well as a few others. They they mentioned some other monsters and stuff that aren't in this movie. Follow the light. The light is your guide. King Ghidorah, take me to your leader. Quick to claim that he not no snake like me neither. They need to take a breather. He been rhyming longer than Sigmund the Sea Creature. Been on Saturday feature. Pleased to meet ya. And came to wake you up out the deep sleeper like he needed to stop before he caught the knee drop. Even give you more zip zip than ZZ top. Well, full bears thou shalt not more corner. Ghidra like one more steps in y'all's corners. It does help me warm up to it that I've heard a lot of these like samples over and over again, and so I'm kind of familiar with the voices. Um, uh, you know, this film was a co-production between Toho and United Productions of America, who supposedly funded 50% of it. Um, and, you know, with that, you know, UPA and its producer, uh, Henry Saperstein, uh, had more input in the production, and this is kind of one of the th- reasons why Nick Adams wasn't uh, cast. And 
um, there were some interesting like shakeups to the formula that was starting to establish uh, with the kaiju films. I, I read an interesting on uh, like quote from Saperstein who was like, "Every single one of these movies opens with a press conference. I don't want to start this movie with a press conference." <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, so uh, let's let's talk about what we thought about this movie. Um, I, I'd like to hear from Alex. Uh, what what did you think uh, about this movie? So. Uh... Hmm. My expectations going in uh, were definitely uh, that they were. This was going to be a way different movie than the previous two Godzilla movies I had seen, uh, which are pretty heavy and have more social commentary than fun robot fighting. Or hmm. I'm sorry, monster <laughs> fighting. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I really enjoyed how schlocky it was. Uh, yeah. It 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 definitely it definitely. Uh, screams hey riff this please just just go for it um it the the bits with the uh the x-men the x-people the x the zillions i guess as we're calling them uh reminded me of plan nine but with a higher budget (laughs) (laughs) uh i um i really enjoyed it i i want to watch more of these uh godzilla versus you know insert monster here now because um i feel like I wanted more uh, monster fighting, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and I I don't know I I guess I uh, underestimate how many movies Ghidorah is in because I'm like oh man this is probably where he gets his one head blown off and then that's why Mechagodzilla has a robot head I don't know mm, like, yeah I have, I have, <laughs> you might I have... be asking for a bit much there if you want <laughs> <laughs> oh okay <laughs> I don't know. I've I, uh, I I know next to nothing about about these uh, about these films. So yeah. um, I have my own. Uh, the continuity issues. is light. I would say from film to film. <laughs> That's a very political way to put yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I I enjoyed it, and I want to watch more of these. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, Grant, how was it revisiting this after so many years? Uh, it was really great, um, not just for nostalgia reasons, revisiting the dub, but also just in general uh, having, you know, because when I was a kid, Godzilla being present was really all you needed to sell me on the concept of the film or really any piece of media. I used to watch that old Hanna-Barbera cartoon just because it had Godzilla, quality mm. or not, right? Oh, um, and Godzuki. And Godzuki. And Godzuki and all that. Um, <laughs> no, but this was actually really good um, just, I think, as a film. Um, I think it is it kind of exemplifies i think what's great about these showa era films you get a lot of practical effects you get uh some you get your kind of your twilight zone and your wrestling kind of thrown in yeah, together totally. right you get you get ultraman and these you know you have strange aliens from the world you know the things like you know there's a million robot copies of this woman that he's fallen in love with like if you pump the brakes on that you're like well that's a whole like existential thing to deal with but eh, it's just kind of a minor plot point really mm. it doesn't really stick around for too long and a lot of these showa films uh, some of them I can watch passively and just kind of let them play in the background and turn to my favorite parts and go, ooh, yeah. Some of them I watch actively, and I this is one of the ones that I like was kind of gripped by. Like, I just kept watching and wanting to know what happened. You've got, you know, secret planets and, you know, this kind of rocket age uh, retrofuturism, and, and, and you've got really great monster fights with good suits and some great practical effects and, uh, you know, when with the sort of the Subaraya eye, so to speak, uh, when these sets were really good and the particularly... I think the even though the the fights I enjoy more in the earlier sections, some of the city destruction mm. in the latter part of this film 
like you're seeing like the, the individual tiles coming off of roofs and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, just just wonderful set work. Um, and it's also still kind of campy and fun and wild, like what I would probably call practical effects foreshadowing. In the very opening scene, when you see the space center and it's clearly a model kit, you're like somebody's stepping on that in the next <laughs> ninety minutes. I can't wait to see it. You know, just just because it's not really people. You know that kind of stuff, but it's it's really fun and and it's got a lot of great sound bites and it was just it was it was a really enjoyable film on its own merits in addition to being a fun revisit. Oh, awesome! Totally, yeah. How about you, Scott? Uh, yeah, this this super held up for me and it, I really enjoyed the rewatch. the The thing that had stuck out to me most, uh, or that I remembered most vividly, is the the zillions, those costumes, and everything because the, yeah just so iconic but something that i have uh much like grant i when i was younger watching this i was like i want to see these giant monsters just punch the crap out of each other (laughs) um but something two things i've gained a lot of appreciation for are now that i have a more critical eye for movies that i did when i was like 10 years old uh (laughs) is the just the crazy detail that went into the set design in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. The Wikipedia had a quote talking about how uh, Honda was kind of disappointed that this movie had a lower budget than they did previously. They had to reuse a bunch of shots and some of the stuff was uh, maybe less, less fancy than they had wanted it to be. But looking at these sets, like they put so much work and did so much with, with the money that they did have. It's astounding. Oh yeah, and uh, just like all the things on the spaceship, the the like engineering science room where they come up with the radio wave blocking technology, like mm. all those sets look so cool. Uh, and the other thing that uh, that I have more appreciation for is a couple of years ago I started getting into to miniatures and painting them and stuff, mm. and so I pay a lot more attention to when miniatures and miniature props show up in movies. And uh, like I was talking about with the like individual tiles fl- flying off the houses, the level of detail on those, the the cool design on those radio trucks uh, really got yeah. me. The kind of like just the the antennas poking out everywhere was just a lot of really cool meticulous work. And then uh, you're talking about seeing people like on the tanks and all of the scenes with those. There's little dudes popping out the top, little tank commander guys, mm-hmm. uh, and just like. All of that was was so cool and so astounding. So like I the the monster fighting parts of this are really cool, but uh, that's a lot of what stood out. And I actually really enjoyed the chemistry of the the actors in the movie a lot. Just between oh, everybody. Oh man, yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, I wanted to comment on that. Actually, I have this down in my notes so many times how much I love Fuji and Glenn together. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're like super buddy buddy and always giving each other like these weird hand signals like a lot of thumbs up mm-hmm. and like a lot of stuff oh, like that yeah that like thumbs down that's when they tell them that they're gonna like have to go back to planet x and they like look at each other and do a planet. thumbs down and then just kind of like put their arms around each other's shoulders and walk off laughing yeah. and it's so it, impressive given the language barrier between the two mm-hmm. actors like speaking japanese and, and english back and forth to each other that they still managed to have that that kind of chemistry, which that may be mm-hmm. part of why they had the the hand signals thing going on. Mm. Um, That's true. But my one of my favorite scenes is actually uh, just of between them is when uh, Glenn is is really defending Tetsuo, trying to help him out uh, with his fiance and trying to lighten up Fuji, and just like him him like 
contradicting Fuji and being like, no, no, you got to trust somebody. Money doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the, the I you can be cynical about the inclusion of Glenn in this and kind of be like it's a weird, like, um, you know, compromise that they had to make for the international market or whatever. But, like, I, I found his actor very charismatic and thought he was, like, a pretty fun, like, addition. And I always enjoyed watching him. Yeah, and I gotta say, um, since I watched the dub, um, his actual performance is really good. Yeah, uh, like like some some there's a couple moments that are especially with um, when uh, his his fiance is is sort of getting accosted in the you know that scene where she gets like his passion in that moment is is quite real and and felt. And the rest of the dub cast does a you know a, a, a serviceable job too. They don't do you know gangbusters but they do well enough they're not it, it's not a joke to them at the very least so mm-hmm. like his performance particularly stood out I was like wow this is a really good performance he's turning in yeah um you know i yeah i love this one um you know in these films the kaiju are often just this sort of like delicious icing on the cake so <laughs> that the cake itself has to be good you know and 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 boy we get tons of sci-fi goofiness and mm. um and and really fun stuff to watch in between the kaiju fights, which you don't always get. Um, <clears throat> and I absolutely love, you know, the aliens and their design, like you guys said, and the sets and all that stuff. That's, um, you know, give me a room with flashing lights and spinning wheels and whatnot, and mm-hmm. and and I'll be uh, I'll be pleased. Um, as for the monsters themselves, um, you know, I okay, let's let's talk about it, this a little bit. I I could sort of take or leave Rodan to be honest, and I, <laughs> I you know, I I say this as someone who loves kaiju, and I still love Rodan, but like he's not one of my favorites. Uh, do do you want to speak up for him, uh, Grant? Yes, wanna... <laughs> I will. I will step to Rodan's defense. So first off, you 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 can't always have. Not everybody can be a three-headed space dragon. Mm. Okay? Sometimes you need somebody that's just a nice symmetrical, like bird lizard thing. Right? <laughs> like Rodan's just—he's just a pterodactyl man. He's—he's he's clocking in, he's clocking out, he's doing his best. But he hits hard, and you have to give this to Rodan in Rodan's defense. He is a flying kaiju at a time when that is technically very difficult to achieve, and it still looks pretty good. And they use it a ton, and it's awesome. So that's true. Flight, you know, flight really mixes things up. That's one of the reasons I love Gamera so much is his ability to fly, I think, adds this extra dimension to what his character can do, even if it doesn't always look the most impressive. Um, but with Rodan, you get that too. So I, I really enjoy that because that's a, particularly because that's a power that Godzilla, with one hilarious exception, really doesn't have. <laughs> um, he, he generally is a ground pounder. So to have another monster with him that flies around that's stuff that he can't do so you get shots like rodan carrying godzilla through the air to fly <laughs> into king Ghidra. So and to me, oh yeah that adds to the film there's no version of that that does not add to my experience so i'm stepping to rodan's defense for power set and for the simplicity of the symmetric design it's yeah just a good, you wouldn't hate on mothra mothra's not exciting mothra's just a moth and yet <laughs> yeah mothra i don't know works, mothra has right? a mothra little more like pathos though. behind her or something i you know Mothra's other things going on too. Mothra's a classic, yeah. but the, she, she's great. But it, for the same reason, like nice symmetrical design, easy to identify. Like that is a big old pterodactyl, and it's kicking guys. Like that works. Like there's nothing wrong with that. So <laughs> it's not I a bad uh, design. My my only thing that I was like, uh, I don't know. I was my only criticism about Rodan's design is his funny little beak. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, because um, I've never actually seen Rodan up close. I've just seen him from afar, and then when the kind of close up on him it's just this little tiny prank. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
I, I actually like precious. that. My, he's precious. Oh, he is, he, I guess he is a little precious. He's like a big old, he's a penguin with a giant wingspan. Exactly. <laughs> he's he's the, what penguins aspire to be for all those penguin kaiju fans out there. <laughs> you know what? I really hope that when um, the new Godzilla movie comes out, the new American one, uh, when, I mean, I've, I'm assuming you've seen the trailer, Grant. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, Rodan is all over that trailer. I just want mm-hmm. him to be like, you zoom in on his face and he's actually just a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Big lava penguin. Just like Gonzo yeah. from the Muppets. And then we're waiting for the, the figure arts where it's like the Emperor Rodan that has the crest on the, you know, the big yellow crest on the top <laughs> and everything. Yeah. If he has a belly slide power, like Legendary might win me back. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. I'm there for that. Um, I think I think my only big complaint about uh, Rodan's design is his, I, I just want his wings to look more like wings. And most of the time he just looks like a dude with his arms out wearing a curtain. And I understand that, like, that's kind of hard to do, but, but I, I will credit him with being responsible for that incredible finish, throwing everybody over the cliff. Oh yeah. I mean, it does look like a curtain. I'll concede that. But when you remember that he conceived of his monster design when he was sitting in his study, wondering what frightened criminals, <laughs> realized that the curtains are really critical to it. You know. That's true. You know, Grant speaking to the you... special effects. That that a uh, thing that is cool about Rodan is like watching him like fly past a thing and then it really does feel like the the you feel the wind like ripping the bridge apart and all Mm. that stuff which i i think is convincing and cool yeah and again that's that's i always go to the mat for practical effects i feel like they age so even bad practical effects i think age better than sometimes good cgi Mm -hmm. um and these these practical effects especially when done well like part of the reason they look so good is because there's real actual physics being applied mm. to them. Now these things are the they're not the the weights of the real objects would be in real life, but they move like real objects because they really are real objects. So they hold their look like that's how they would move, and it's it really convincing. So when they, you have the actual suit flying around and these big gusts of wind and real model sets being knocked over, it looks really good. Yeah, it holds up yeah. so well. Yeah, and then, uh, so as for King Ghidra, I, I f- feel like we're all basically on board. He's a really great villain. You know, he's very menacing looking. I, I like that he's still kind of funny looking with the heads bopping around, uh, you know, doing their own thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I love seeing Godzilla wail on him. <laughs> and I love that his chirp, he's got this kind of weird uh, chirp that uh, I've always yeah. loved the sound of. Um it's it's, it's dolphiny. Yeah, it's yeah, also a, the sound a, effect no, for the phones in Ultra design. Seven. The, yes, it is. Yeah, which I think is. is neat. Um, um, that that reminds me of something like watching this. A, a lot of my memories of the other Godzilla movies I have seen that I am less into are mostly like big monsters fighting each other, and then a bunch of guys in like a boardroom boardroom yelling at each other mm, back right. and forth. And and this one, there's a lot more going on, and it actually makes me think more of something like Ultra Q than other Godzilla movies. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I think about a lot about this movie is less. This this one has a lot of really good things happening on the ground level, and and when I think about this movie, I think about the aliens, and I think about all the ships, the UFOs, and stuff. Um, almost before I even think about the the kaiju themselves, which mm. you know speaks speaks for it. Um. And then as for Godzilla, you know, um, I think this is a really interesting spot in Godzilla's timeline. Uh, Up to this point, uh, as I had sort of mentioned earlier, Godzilla had mostly been a villain until the previous film. Um, And 
you know, I like the spot where we're not quite at the point where children are seen cheering him on, you know, <laughs> and are wishing that he would appear and stuff. Uh, but but he's still starting to be a guy that you, the audience member, wants to cheer for, uh, right. you know. And we're still at a spot where humanity's scared of him. They're happy to get rid of him on Planet X. But um, there's there's so he's got a little bit of that threat from the original Godzilla film, but we're not like devastated every time he shows up like we are mm-hmm. at the original Godzilla film. Um, and I think this is a really interesting kind of tension um, and middle ground, you know. And uh, you can definitely see that evolution in motion. You know, he's starting to get a little bit more of that cookie monster look. Uh, he's he's doing the funny poses and jumping up and down. So I don't know. In a lot of ways, this is peak Godzilla for me. Yeah, I have to agree there. I think tension, that's the right word for it, because that's part of what I like so much about the Gamera Heisei trilogy is because you're that they're never you can never quite tell. Like, I mean, Gamera's clearly fighting the villainous monster, but is he really a good guy? Is he really a bad guy? Like, it's kind of hard to peg from moment to moment sometimes. And you, obviously, the, the level of tension isn't so, so high here. You know, it's just not that kind of film. But th- there's a lot of moments where it's like, okay, they're like, yeah, no, you can take Godzilla. That solves a couple of problems for us, actually. Like, <laughs> like that's fine. But they're not, like, excited that he wins, really. Like, that, that, that middle ground is a good place for him, and he's not quite horrifying to look upon but he's also not just like well hey kids like you know he's not picking anybody up in the carpool lane or anything you know (laughs) yeah yeah um so uh let's talk favorite parts of the film like favorite scenes maybe favorite aspects um uh scott what, what was your favorite part of the movie uh honestly my favorite part is just kind of marveling at the set design when they first get into the zillion base Mm -hmm. and when the they first show up in those crazy outfits just like (laughs) <laughs> but on rewatch, really scrutinizing those things, I'm expecting them to show up, but really appreciating them as it just kind of washes over me was a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Um, how about you, Alex? Let's see. Um, man, Monster Fight. Uh, Monster Fight's great. Uh, <laughs> I, I think um, the final battle between uh, between the three monsters was my favorite like like part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything just kind of built up to that moment. Uh, and even even their battle on Planet X was sort of just a, a prelude to that. Um, but I think my favorite aspect of the film, honestly, is is Fuji and Glenn's friendship. Hmm. Uh, like I really believe that they were like best friends. Like they they seemed hmm. like they had worked together for years. Um, so uh, yeah, I know we touched on that earlier, but that like really impressed me. Okay. Um, yeah. Totally. And and I guess the uh, when um. When Rodan is also blowing, uh, like using his wings to blow everything away, mm-hmm. uh, I was I was pretty I was thinking to myself like how are they how are they doing that with without completely destroying those houses? Mm-hmm. They're just you know just getting the little bits off. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's <laughs> a good question. Uh, how about you, Grant? That's a tough one. Um... A favorite, I guess, aspect of it. I mean, I, I, I want. I also want to kind of lean into the Fuji and Glenn thing. I think that's a big. We all know a, a big weakness for a lot of kaiju films is if the monsters aren't on screen. Am I really that interested? It's not really compelling drama. It's the price one has to pay. Uh, but I agree that Fuji and Glenn really do feel like actual characters, so you care about what happens to them, which is really important. Yeah. Um, but I think probably my favorite element is that. Um, for all of its sci-fi weirdness, the plot actually 
does track like the flow of events makes sense Mm -hmm. as opposed to like you know we're time traveling aliens and we decided to just arbitrarily do this thing like it doesn't it feels like a plot like they're actually the villains even though it involves a lot of sci-fi strangeness the villains think through what they're doing they follow through like you can follow the actual events of the film which is not always the case when you're watching them and I think it helps accentuate everything else. You're not just like, well, I know it doesn't make sense, but just you know, ignore that and look at this other thing. Like the actual plot of the movie makes sense, and that's a rare feat in these giant monster films. Yeah, you do. Like, I, while there might be a bit of like coincidental timing with Earth discovering Planet X at this time, you do you do get the feeling that Planet X has been like putting this plot together for a while now, and have mm-hmm. kept their eyes on Earth and and had sort of like worked this all out, you know. Right. Um, and it feels real. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, w- I was just going to talk about how, uh, very similar to what Scott said. Like, I love all the scenes on Planet X, and that's definitely what I think of when I think about this movie. Um, mm. I love all the miniature work and stuff, too. I, I won't, uh, you know, <laughs> just repeat what Scott said, but that's that's basically what I wanted to highlight, too. So um, next, uh, I wanted to uh, cover the Shall We Dance segment, the, <laughs> the idea of an American remake, which is a kind of interesting, uh, funny thing to tackle right now when we're on about to get a new uh, Godzilla film with several of these, well, all of these uh, kaiju in it, plus um, Mothra. Um, but wait, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 can, I would not be surprised if it's basically taking a lot of inspiration from the previous movie, from Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, because it has the exact same roster and right. um, and is a classic and, and, and whatnot. Um, but as for this movie, you know, I could see a tweaked version of it working here now. Uh, the aliens would have to be a little less silly. Um, I don't know if the whole Lady Guard toy inventor thing would really work uh, with American audiences in 2018 the way <laughs> it works here. But I feel um, like it would probably just be a really annoying children's toy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting um, to see if it they would, if they decided think, to uh, tackle this. If they included that, it would be something like my dad left me this annoying old thing. Before he died, Ugh, I don't even know what to do with it. They they repurpose it into some way, like oh wait, it actually helped me out in the end. Like they'd have to. Yeah, there you go. Some, As he like reflects angle. on his relationship with his yeah. dad and. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think this one actually. I think if you went, um, if you leaned into it, I guess tonally. Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't think it would fit kind of legendaries, kind of what they're going for right now. Um, but I think if you did it kind of like, say, Star Trek Beyond, mm-hmm. uh, which has a kind of campy sci-fi vibe and is certainly not, it's a kind of a playful film with some kind of weird alien races and some, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I think you could you could go for that sort of tone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does have, you know, James T. Kirk driving a motorcycle around and punching aliens at some point. <laughs> so, like, it could, you know, if you go for that, and I think it could work. Um, I, I think American audiences are maybe a little more acceptable of camp than maybe they would have been a few years ago even. So. It, it comes in cycles, I think. Uh, mm. Yeah, it, it depends on how you cast it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I have, I've got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, uh, with uh, my thinking ahead to this se- segment, uh, I really only had one thought, and it was if this ma- movie was made in uh, America in the 1960s, uh, who would the Japanese actor be? Uh, in, in in the Glenn role and oh. 
mm. thinking about it, I realize is maybe a decade too early, but the the obvious choice would be uh, to have it played by well-known Japanese actor in America, Bud Sugawara. <laughs> oh man, mm. yeah, that way could he, he could finally get uh, his, that would be uh, an intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bud Sugawara. Uh, did that actually come out? That movie with him in it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. there's an English the dub. That's the man. only uh, yeah. English dubbed uh, movie of uh, that Bunta Seguar has been dubbed. Uh, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but it's one of those things that like was in like grindhouses and I think maybe got like a VHS release or something. But It's called The Tattooed Hitman, but yeah. I don't know the actual Japanese title. There we go, Tattooed <laughs> Hitman. Bud Sugawara and Sonny Chiba. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the USA. <laughs> yep. So uh, as for the Takashi Shimura Award um, for Outstanding or Scene-Stealing Performance, um, anybody here have any nominations for who you'd like to give that to? Rodan. <laughs> Rodan. Uh, we've certainly been talking a lot more about Rodan than I was expecting. Uh, yes, yes, my plan. <laughs> um, I I kind of want to say Glenn, mm-hmm. um, and I don't, and and not because he's the only uh, American guy, but I I really uh, I don't know. He um, he, I felt like he had a, a whole arc like with his girlfriend, and um, I don't know. You, you could see a lot of. I I, I kind of want to see the dub now because I want to see how how uh, how his voice is too because like I, I think in the in the scene when when they uh, when the uh, zillions shoot uh, Namikawa uh, he has a lot of like a lot of power in his face mm-hmm. um, I know that really struck me uh, yeah I I was gonna uh, bring up uh, Yoshio Tsuchiya who plays the Planet X controller. Um, I just think that guy's great. I mean, he's okay. I mean, obviously a lot of the heavy lifting is being done by the costuming and whatnot, Mm. but like he does a lot of weird, like hand signals and stuff that seem like extraneous, but makes it alien and strange. And he just like, anytime he was on screen, I was pretty like excited. (laughs) Yeah. I, I noticed at one point when he's telling them goodbye, he does like the weirdest wave. And I love any time he's pressing buttons because he does mm. it so strangely and deliberately. He's got a great look to him. I, I drew him when I was doing the notes because I, oh, I just nice. had to. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I just, I, he, I don't know. It's, it's, ah, God, it's so campy and, and, but it's perfect. I, you know, going back to if they remade this, I'd love to see a 2000, you know, 2010s, uh, revision of his costume because I'm sure it'll look um, well ostentatious. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more rubbery if the Marvel movies have anything to yeah. you know, say about it. Um, Weirdly enough, I feel like my my vote for the scene-stealing presence in this movie is actually Godzilla mm. uh, because, I, I mean, he's... Uh, in Invasion of the Astro Monster, he's not even given top billing, so, and he feels like a, a side oh, character yeah. through a lot of the movie. Mm. Um, but the 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 hangdog look he gives when Fuji and Glenn are leaving Planet X, and the weird <laughs> like after he gets oh sh- god, sh- 
after yes. he gets shocked free when he's like moving his eyes back and forth oh and then God. slapping everyone with his tail to wake them up is just like these like very subtle great comedic turns <laughs> oh my god yeah i completely forgot i wrote that down i know they've left godzilla and rode in behind like puppies and uh they're, they're like are you sure they're gonna be okay yeah they'll be fine like it was <laughs> <laughs> it was like How yeah you know? <laughs> yeah it was it was like uh the tv on he'll be happier on the farm <laughs> the great oh yeah rat, put it on kaiju like, planet so they yeah. have something to watch <laughs> We gotta, exactly. we gotta, we gotta leave. Like we don't have any room for them. So, sorry, honey. Like, uh, <laughs> God, it's I, my Godzilla mall. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I like, um, I like a um, sort of surly, annoyed Godzilla. So the Godzilla that wakes up uh, and starts whipping his tail and throwing rocks at the other guys who are still twitching on the ground is is pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that was that was pretty excellent. He also does something when he wakes up, his eyes sort of like rotate a little bit. Yeah, like, a little googly. <laughs> I wanted and... a gif of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Godzilla. I I I don't know. I was kind of like yeah. I in a way I was sort of hoping like man, I hope Godzilla comes back soon. Like <laughs> as fun as it is watching the humans, um, this is a Godzilla movie after all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that like. Godzilla really does have like a presence and that's and it's not just because he was like the first one that they made the movie out of, you know, like and right. There's something about Godzilla that is very compelling. He's the king for a reason. Yeah. He's the king. So, any uh any closing thoughts or did we uh ring this one dry? Uh I want to say if anybody listening to this just is as enamored of the like set design and costuming as I am, I recommend that you all go watch Mario Bava's 1965 movie planet of the vampires. Oh yeah. Uh, which was so made on a budget of zero money and had like <laughs> one and a half sets that they used for about 12 different locations and have <laughs> some of the coolest, uh, like 1960s sci-fi spacesuits, very like goth looking, and okay. uh, the movie is also the original inspiration, or one of the original inspirations for uh, uh, Alien. The Xenomorph. Oh, okay. So it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's really cool. A lot of like really awesome like forced perspective and um, stuff you can do with limited uh, limited sets, like like Scott was saying. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, all right, so. Um, uh, I feel like Grant should. I, if you have anything else to say, I want to let you have the final word. Oh, uh, well, it was great to be on. I really love this film. Um, it was a great rewatch. If you enjoy this, then you you are enjoying. I think this is a good show to watch. I'll put it that way. You hmm. get sort of you you don't get anything left out. You get Godzilla. You get multiple monster fights. You get space aliens. You get good sets. You sort of get the full gamut. And yet, I think it's still a strong film in and of itself. So this is a this is a good one to start on if you're like I don't even know where to start all these look the same, um, so I would say that and it's, it's it's good I enjoy it as as someone who watches a lot of these films was like oh wow this is really good nice nice great um, so um, that's that's it for this month uh, Scott what will we be talking about next month uh, so. Uh, as of this recording, uh, a couple days ago, uh, Kieran Kiki passed away, who is the actress that played the grandmother in uh, in Kamikaze Girls and was just a 
really cool, prolific actress. And then searching around this month for uh, movies, I ran across one called Sweet Bean about a uh, man who runs a Doriaki shop and an old lady kind of shows up to become his apprentice. And that is Kieran Kiki in a much more meaty role than Kamikaze Girls. And the movie seems pretty interesting. It's from 2015. And uh, I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, awesome. And and we kind of checked it out and it's available to rent digitally uh, in most platforms. So um, that's great. It'll be uh, available to watch because I've honestly never heard of it. And I'm excited because I've only seen uh, Kieran Kiki in, in small roles. And um, after hearing, uh, seeing a lot about her uh, over the last few days and um, talking about her uh, pretty enthusiastically <clears throat> uh, last month for Kamikaze Girls, I'm excited to um, see a film where she she carries it a bit more. Um, so as for plugs, uh, Grant, where can people find you and listen to your show and, and whatnot? Uh, Blade Licking Thieves on all your various pod devices, uh, Super Senpai Podcast, and uh, Yadatachi for my articles and things like that, and uh, at Grant the Thief on Twitter. All right, great. And uh, how about you, Scott? Uh, you can find me at Vriska Chat on Twitter, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Uh, not much else going on right now, but uh, now I really want to watch uh, Planet of the Vampires again and maybe post some screenshots of it so you can see how wild it is. Cool. And how about you, Alex? Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at dude exclamation all one word. You can also hear me weekly on the One Piece podcast. Um, I hope to I hope to be getting Grant on the One Piece podcast at some point, uh, eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what do I have coming up show wise? Uh, well, let's see, this is coming out in October, right? So, <laughs> um, this month, please, if you're in the Washington DC area and you are going to, uh, anime USA, I will be there, uh, with, uh, super art fight, the, uh, live show art competition that I do occasionally. Um, it's a lot of fun. Come check us out. And um, that's uh, all for me. <laughs> all right, great. Um, I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter. Uh, JoeyWeiser.tumblr.com is where I post news about my comics and whatnot. I'm a cartoonist, uh, the author of the five-book uh, graphic novel series Merman, the all-ages comedic adventure story. Um, and that's available now uh, entirely in softcover as well as digital and, and hardcovers if you can find them. And um, so please check those out. Um, next year I'll have a brand new book called Ghost Hog coming out, so keep an eye out for that. Um, and uh, yeah, and then <clears throat> as for Toho Yaro, we've got a Twitter account as well, uh, at Toho Yaro, where we post a lot of like Japanese movie news and retweet uh, things that are kind of funny observations about any sort of uh, Japanese film stuff that we come across, as well as talking about our upcoming episodes and current episodes and whatnot. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook, and email us, tohoyara at gmail.com, and uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, please check back next month for Sweet Bean.